Life does not always have to be transactional. And that's what I'm working on. I'm a work in progress. And so I always call myself a work in progress. And I'm like, everything doesn't have to be transactional. Because when you when you make them less transactional, it gives opportunity for a really loving conversation or a really loving whatever, right? Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. Guys, it's like the end of the year. We have a month left. I have a few more episodes left. And what the happened to this year? I got to tell you, I have been having a blast recording the last few episodes. Usually, you know, I do my research and I have my outlines. But these next few guests, I kind of threw it all out the window because I felt like I've just known these people for a long time, even though, you know, I kind of all met them this year. My next guest and I are definitely soul sisters. We were somehow connected last birth. I am convinced of it. Bhagani Lakani Adams is an Emmy Award winning producer and executive with Vice TV. She is the epitome of multi-hyphenate, a mom, a director, a writer, a mindfulness coach, and entrepreneur. And she has more than 20 years of experience producing creative nonfiction stories for broadcast TV, digital media, and long-form audio documentaries. She has worked on projects such as Unknown Amazon with Pedro Andrade, I hope I said that right, The Search for Q, Too Soon, Comedy After 9-11, and Black Market with Michael K. Williams. You also may have heard of the very popular United Shades of America, as well as Valley of the Boom. She also just happens to have a very long list of credits for NBC News and MSNBC, including 10 years at Dateline NBC. I mean, the list just goes on. Her focus on production and community has earned her a space in Veronica Beard's Make It Happen campaign. She is also an active member with Chief, co-creator of Getting Hotter, and CEO of Sorry Not Sorry Productions. I'm sorry because I don't know how this woman is standing up. I mean, she is doing it all. And she has fantastic hair. I mean, I'm just saying all of that combined. It's hard to get your shit together, you know? I loved her. I love talking to her. I can't wait to meet her in real life. I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Falgani Lakani Adams. So you are my second to last interview this year. I was thinking, I was like, let me wing a few of them and just see how it goes. Because I know I can do it. But I also wanted to respect your career and your journey. So I did do a lot of research on you. So I do have I do have my outline on you. I have a feeling we're not going to follow it. I saw you peeked a little bit on my LinkedIn. I was oh, like, oh. Absolutely. LinkedIn. I was like, oh. oh red articles. Uh-huh. For sure. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I know what you do. But I'm like, let me really read, you know, read into it. And you've had quite a journey, my friend. And there's many points uh, throughout your journey where I was like, yep, we're the same. Yep, we're the same. Uh-huh. Yep, word. I get it. Yeah. That was what my research was last night and this morning. <laughs> You're like, check. Yep, check. Check. Everything she said, yeah. that check. Tracks. Yep. Tracks. Tracks. Relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should do a DNA test. I don't know. I mean, listen, you are going to joke about that, but I will tell you that I have a friend out here. Her name is Shilpa, and she's actually originally, her family used to live in Texas, I think. Okay. Hey, no Shilpa. Anyway, Gujarati, 
family from Africa, like my mom's side, her mom's side. One Thanksgiving two years ago, so for years she jokes that we're cousins because she always wants my discount. So whenever she wants a discount, she's like, oh, my cousin Falgany was here, blah, 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 blah. I'm so doing we, that. Actually. We are related. Yeah. We're related. Okay, awesome. I can change we my last out. name. It's fine. Oh, you really <laughs> I mean, are related. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. We found out we're related. My cousin married her cousin. And this only came out because her family came over for Thanksgiving and my, my mom was visiting and they linked it. My cousin and her cousin are married. I feel like we need to force this to happen. I mean, right? I think it can. There ha- I mean, it might be like three or four degrees, but there has to be something. Do you have the app? Did we talk about this? Do you have the Africa thing already? Africa thing, meaning do I love <laughs> Africa or have I been there or what's happening? Because <laughs> both. Because both. You're like, you're like, what is this Africa thing? Do yeah. you have the Africa yeah. thing? Now, the, Af- the Africa thing is that. There are a lot of Gujaratis in, who are uh, raised in Africa, born, you know, whatever. A lot of the Gujaratis who are, they all know my grandfather. Because my grandfather, here, I'm going to drop a bomb right now. Drop or do you mean to save this bomb? It's a big no, bomb. no, no. Bombs are good at the beginning. Go. My grandfather had his leg eaten by a hippo. And <laughs> they are the most you, dangerous animal in Africa. They are. They are. So whenever... I'm not joking. If someone, if I tell someone that that's my grandfather, they're like, you're the Sabadias? Oh my God, that's your grandfather? Like everybody knows about this because it was so traumatic. I mean, it is traumatic, but meaning like it was written about. But my nephew did some digging and this year he found the article in the AP written about that. An East Indian, you know, back then they were like an East Indian man. You need to send that to me. I will. It's First of all, I was like, told my nephew he needs to go into journalism. I was like, you're in the wrong position. How did you find that? He's been digging. It's incredible. And then what's cool is that, because, you know, we hear stories. Like, my mom is, through the years, I'm like, mom, so what happened to Bapuji? Like, I want to understand. And she's like, oh, he went in to save someone. And so, anyway, this article is very clear that that is not what happened. <laughs> I like I it, love though. You, Bapuji. Just yeah. embellish. <laughs> you know what? But- I think he did. I think he went to go save the hippo's family, <laughs> and that hippo fucked up is what happened. That's my story. I mean, my mom was like, you're, and and I understand now why she didn't know, because when you read this article, it basically, you know how old everybody is. And my mom has seven brothers and a sister, and there are nine of them. But in that article, it says seven children, seven children watched in horror as their father. And I was like, oh, so Nitin Mama and Dilip Mama weren't born yet. Got it. Got, Got it. I get how old you are now. Right. You know? Right. Right. Wild. Wow. It even says that they watched in horror. Like the article says that as their father, there was like a fence and he was leaning on it and he fell into the ravine and a hippo dragged him. And so someone threw a knife on like a soft spot of the hippo. And that's what made his jaws open so that they could get him out. Yeah, dude. So there is stats. We went to South Africa for our very delayed honeymoon. So there is stats. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I want to talk more about that. Like the whole shebang. You went all, oh, you did. Did you go to Botswana or just Botswana, Joburg. (gasps) I'm so bad. This is so bad. We just did that. We just did this. Yeah. We did the whole thing. Over the summer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We spent with the kids. It's just, yeah. Life-changing. Just life-changing. It changed your life, right? Yeah. I also got bitten by a random something and ended up in the hospital for a week in Dubai because we live in Dubai. Anyways, you know what? Oh, whole other wow. story. And my yeah. and I had an elephant this- foot for a week and it was and <gasps> no one could tell what it was. 
I had done two safaris there. We had done the land safari, regular land safari, and then we did the river safari. And that's where we think something, we don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyways, it was totally worth my foot being swollen for a week. But in the river safari, the guide was like, yeah, hippos are most dangerous. They kill the most humans here. Look, look at the family of hippos. I was like, what the motherfuck? I was like, um, I don't, I don't want to, no, no bueno. No, poor boy. Well, it is triggering. It is triggering. Because like for me, I actually will say this year, because I went to, we went for my 50th. And so we did it very fancy, fancy with the kids. And I think I spent my life savings on it this year, but I felt my roots. I was like, oh, wow. Every time I would see the hippos, you know what I mean? I thought of my grandfather because I, my grandfather passed away. I don't have any living grandparents actually. And I haven't for a while. And my mom was really close to her dad. And so all the stories she would tell. Anyway, my son was like determined. He wanted to see a hippo with his jaws open. And I was like, really? Do we have to do that? Can we it's just so put triggering. on like Disney for that, please? I mean, Jesus. Good for you for going. That's amazing. Yeah, it is mind blowing. I will take the kids. I'm trying to get so... I'm trying to do the India trip first for us just because that's the family and that's where they're from. But Africa, I think when they become a little older, teenagers maybe, definitely want to go back. I have to say, if I had to do it again, I would do longer time in Botswana. I loved South Africa. I loved Cape Town. I loved all of that. But the people of Botswana and what we saw, like our first day seeing the lions in Jack's camp where we stayed was... Amazing. I'm sure. I'm sure. They know what they're doing there. They had their safaris. Or I'm like, it makes you want to move. I'm like, I could live here. Like, it's amazing. I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss work. I didn't miss my phone. I didn't miss a thing. I actually taught the women in Botswana. They'd never done yoga. So they had all these yoga mats in our rooms. And so I was like doing yoga. And the women who worked there were like, oh, you know how to do yoga. And I just assumed everybody did. I don't know why that was dumb, but because they had yoga mats in our rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're like and all so, these damn Americans want to do yoga. Yeah, whatever. Seriously, all yeah. these fucking Californians yeah, yeah, coming in. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I was like doing a class one and she goes, do you think that we can join you? Because I was with my friend and the two of us were like, as we're looking at the zebra crossing and, you know, and I was like, sure, you could join tomorrow. Happy to let me know what time. So at one point, basically I taught a group of like five of the workers at Jack's camp. Like we were all doing yoga together and I was like facing the wildebeest. So I could hear like a little bit of like heavy breathing. So I like turned around and I was like, are you okay, Joseho? She goes, yeah, I just don't know. Cause I'm using all the words. I was like, okay, now let's get into warrior two. Let's, let's do vinyasa. And I was like, wait, like never, you've never, she's like, no. And I was like, oh my God, let me Aww. slow down. They loved it so much. The next day they were like, I have never felt better in my life. That's like, amazing. It was, it was really well, cool. Of course you did. I was like reading your bio data and I was like, holy shit. First of all, I don't even know how you're standing up. Like all this, I was like, she's bored, co-creator, founder, what, what's happening? Okay. So let's rewind. Let me, let's brag about you. I need to, to brag about you a little bit. I know you okay. don't want to, <laughs> but we got to do it. And then we're going to... One day, I, I'm telling you, Falcon, we're going to have drinks. We're going to make this happen. I would love that. Yes. Can you come to Dallas? I could. Come to Dallas for Vice. I'm sure you could. And by the way, your resume, I was like, what the motherfuck? This is going to take me like eight hours to get through because you have done so much shit. I mean, you should have been invited to the White House like 18 years ago. This is amazing. And you happen to have the best hair ever. So let's talk about Vice Media. I know you've been there for about three years. I believe currently you're at Vice TV. 
Yes. Okay. And That's you right. cover a range of docu-series, documentaries. This is my mm-hmm. LinkedIn, all my yeah. research. Yeah. Vice Media Group is the largest independent youth media company, 35 cities across the globe. So you guys have Vice.com, Vice Studios, Vice TV, Virtue, and then your portfolio includes Refinery29, which is huge, Pulse Films. I mean, you guys are zeitgeist everywhere. A, I want to talk about first your transition into Vice TV. And then when I was reading some of your articles, because you you have some interviews out there, you did talk about some projects that you Mm -hmm. loved and you highlighted United Shades of America. So first, let's talk about your transition into Vice TV, how it's going. And then I would like to talk about that project. I've always been at Vice TV. But it's part of Vice Media Group. And so a lot of the stuff we do, like through the years, for example, uh, when I first started, a big part of my role was as an executive to work with uh, Vice World News, which was at the time also part of Vice Media Group. And so we would have projects together that would go on our channel and then also online. And so a lot of my shows, uh, like a show called Fringe Nation and fanatics and all, you know, a reset. I had a bunch of shows there. So, but basically my role at any given time, I will have a number of either, like right now I'm delivering, I think my fifth show of the year, or sixth show of the year in a very short amount of time. And so three of them will air next year. One has been currently airing and I oversee them from start to finish through the outline process, through Oftentimes a hiring process, which is like my favorite part, because that's when I use that opportunity to sort of bring in other people. What you realize, by the way, too, is that as I've been more on the hiring side and the client side, oftentimes we take so many things personally, like how come they didn't like hire me or how come they didn't like look at my resume? I realize that it's because you just you move so quickly that you just go to the person, you know. You immediately call that person. That's what everybody does. Everybody I noticed across the board, I've, I've worked now with at least like 15 different production companies and it's always the same. And so what I've started is this database. And in the database, I basically start to gather women and women of color and all of the people so that I could then say, hey guys, I know you like that person. They're great. I too like them. I also like these people. They're equally qualified and they're great. And let's expand our portfolio. So I have definitely on micro levels tried to find ways that I don't want to just be a robot and a cog in this wheel. You know what I mean? I want to find ways that I can use my position that I've worked hard to be in so that I can start to bring other people, new voices, diversify. I will tell you though, Falgony, like the fact that you're doing that and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Is that the saying? People say they do that. I really see it. I see that you do, right? Personally speaking. And so I really want to emphasize to you that this is a big deal. I hope you know that. Thank you. And I I am sure you do, but like just you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again. It's really important to me. So appreciate it. It is very important to the rest of us, right? Like, And so to find someone like you in the sea – of people that you're trying to network, network, I mean, not even network with to get a job, just to get feedback or like we said, that spark. It's a bigger deal than you think. All right. So Vice TV. So you're, you've, you've been there for three years now. United Shades of America, you had mentioned in about a, an art, a couple articles 
And he, actually, you mentioned it in the interview, and he focused on Sikhs in America. You mentioned in the article, this was the truest example of how you were able to use your platform. So tell me about that experience. We all want and hope and desire to find ways to elevate our own communities, right? Like you've said, I've been in this industry for a gajillion years and- And lasted. <laughs> and I mean- It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on all wood too. Yeah, knocking on all yes, the wood. Yes. And it's really hard. I just remember even being at Dateline and it was so hard to even get them to cover a story. And it's like a sad story, but even stories about- South Asians or African-American or anyone getting murdered. Like I couldn't even get that. It was hard. What's interesting is that the one story, I just made this connection. I forgot about it. This one story that I was really pushing for, I don't want to mention any of the names or anything because it was a very complicated layered story, but a woman in that story that I made a connection with way back when. So I left Dateline in 2014, just to, for context. I made the connection with her probably like 2011, 2012, around that time. Anyway, we're now friends because she moved to LA. She said no to this story, which I totally respected and understood. But she was like, at the time, she was like, you were the only person I was considering even doing the story for because I could tell that you had compassion. We're, we're like good friends now. And it's just so the world is so, it, that's a, always an example to me of like, you just don't know what's going to happen in this world. And like, you never you know. Always, you know. And you and never you know always, who's going to be part of your future. No, and at all. And it's just so wild because now I'm trying to help her with some stuff that she's trying to launch. And who knew that at the time she had like a tragedy happen and that's how we connected. And I, I still remember sitting with her at a cafe and like, just talking. I know it's wild. It's, it's wild, wild and, and beautiful actually. Right. Like I just love that about life. Like you just don't know. And that's why you always have to sort of be aligned with your own authenticity totally. and like in the way you communicate. If you stick with you, yourself, I like things line up so much better. So much better. It actually makes me emotional sometimes because yeah. I'm like, I can see if I wrote down all of those examples, you know, it, there's a multitude of You should of write examples. a book on top of all the 8 billion things you're doing. But anyway, side I note. I have a lot. Continue. Yeah, I have, yes. a lot, I have a lot of free time. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, my eight pages of notes on you. But anyways, continue. Oh, it's the Sikhs in America. Okay. I'm like, that's what I love about us. It's like, this is going to be, a, you're going to have like, it's going to be a, four, a four-parter. You're going to have a four-parter. I'll have a four-parter with you any day. That's what she said? I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, he may have said that. He may, he may have, have said yeah. that. He never actually says four-parter. He but. never wants to say that. <laughs> he may only want to say 10 minutes. Maybe. Yeah. Two-parter, five minutes each. It's <laughs> we're gonna get canceled it's fine we're gonna get canceled yeah we're not gonna get canceled because of the white house stuff we're gonna you, get canceled for this you may not get invited to the white house next year because <laughs> because of me <laughs> because of the because of the 10 parter five parter five minute or one minute or well so i i just remember getting it was a freelance gig i think by then i had been out of dateline for like maybe a year or two years or something and i walked into the office there were like all these topics on the board and Kamau Bell was like, I think you should do Sikhs in America. And I was like, I think I should do that too. And it was amazing because there was no, I had no boundaries around that. They did not give me parameters. They were like, just do an hour 
on this topic. I met the most amazing people. And I'll tell you, as South Asians, we think we know so much about one another in our community. I didn't know anything. I actually did really had no idea. I thought I did. I took religion and I took world religion in college. I'm an educated woman. I had no idea. No idea. And so I spoke to, I mean, and everybody that I met actually on that shoot, I'm still friends with because they were kind and loving. And I was in Yuba City, which has the biggest, you know, Sikh population in, in the country. And interesting. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, because the farmers, it has the best farming land. And so they came, they found an area. And so just imagine the visual alone because you're a creative person. So like, I mean, I was sold at this Sikh man in his turban on his like almond farm, you know, with the tractor behind him. And it was just so, it was so gorgeous. And they they were gorgeous people. So I think that's why, I I mean, also like, I'm not going to lie, I won a couple of Emmys for that episode. So I, I know like you did. That's that's part of my intro, girl. I got it. I kind of like it because of that. Uh Like, we all like that. You know, I'm not, you know, I remember when I was in. Brag about it. Brag, girl. Who doesn't? Of course, I'm going to like it. But besides that, it's like, imagine winning an award for something that is also so powerful. Yeah, that's so powerful. You know, it's like. But Falcon, that's probably why you won it. Because you actually fucking cared. Maybe. I mean, like, you're good at what you do, but like, that is another added layer to it. It was, it was really great. It was a great, awesome episode. So I think I just take a lot of pride in it because it impacted people and it helps remind you, like, why did I get into this business in the first place? Because, well, Dateline, I definitely helped people. There were a lot of moments where it felt like I was exploiting people, even though I was not personally. I was always of the mindset of you do this if it feels good to you, even though my job is to get you to come on and sit down with me. I am. That's not what I want to do. I can say all this now because I don't work there anymore. But but I think that's what made me an effective producer because it made them want to sit down because they were like, I trust her. She's not going to exploit me. And I always did do my best not to. Yeah, I believe in that. I don't know if podcasting is journalism yet. I think I'm questioning I mean, and you can tell me your thoughts on it, but whenever I do interview people, my job is to tell their story in a way that's authentic to them. And there's no gotcha moments. I don't surprise anyone with anything. I think whoever you're talking to and whoever wants to share, A, be thankful they want to share their story. And then, you know, let them do it in a way that makes sense for them. And, And not by saying lying or this or that, but just being honest to who they are in a way that makes sense. I think that's the problem lately with the perception. Journalism has like changed so much since I started. You were there for the, you're like an OG. So yes. I was like there for some hardcore crap, but like, I don't think that journalism has to be gotcha moments. You know, I think that what journalism is, is more like you ask the questions that are going to allow people to share things sometimes that other people may not know about them bring out that the story in someone that's how i would imagine and also if you're if i'm vulnerable and open hopefully that helps you exactly and also okay united shades of america i think it was an entertainment journalism 
show that it had an intersection. And I think that's what podcasts probably are too. And I think that that's what a lot of this is. It's not like PBS, it's not NPR, but when you think about fresh air, like that's also not typical NPR, I would imagine. So like Kamel Bell, part of the reason why people talk to him and share their stuff with him, like when he talked to the Ku Klux Klan or when he like, you know, when he did that is because he's a comedian Mm -hmm. and he is very, very, very disarming. Yeah. Right. And that's what you are trying to do when you're interviewing people. I mean, I definitely think I'm a comedian, but you know. Right. Well, I think, by the way, I think comedians tell the best story. Tell the best story. Yeah, Yeah. because. I think they're also empathetic. They're a little self-loathing, too. Self-loathing, self-deprecating. God, Mm -hmm. literally, check mark, everything. But yes, I, you know, I love that about him, too. Like, yeah. And I also think that he takes his job seriously, but I think with a tinge of humor, which really helps remove that layer of like stuffiness in an interview. Especially when it's such a deep, dark, not deep subjects. It is. Yeah. Like these are intense. Like having a black comedian talk to the Ku Klux Klan is that's next level. Like intense. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up. Right. But I will say like, even with Sikhs in America, when he was talking to, I remember it was a convert and she was like talking about how she did that or whatever. Or when he was talking about, like they put a turban on him. They were showing him how you put a turban on and anybody else that would feel so inappropriate. Like, what are you doing, man? But the, he could do it. He could do it and he did it and it was awesome. Yeah, I think that's the mark of a great journalist. So is there any projects that you could talk about that you're working on now or anything we can look forward to? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have two shows airing January, February. One is just completed. It's called Sex Before the Internet Season 2. It's awesome. It's wild. It's a time in life when sex was celebrated in a specific way. Everything from the Bunny Ranch to Gold Club where strippers were, sorry, uh, oh, dancers. You, this, this is R-rated. It's fine. Oh, well, I, I'm trying to be oh, oh, um, my bad. more respectful. Just, the know. dancers were getting paid a lot of money and they had ownership of it. It's a power and it was a, thing. It's a power thing. It was a business opportunity. I will say the other part was I have another show which we're super pumped about called The Nine Lives Of. And it's Vice's take on a biography. So I sort of see it as a biography meets slight crime because we talk about people and their iterations. And I love that. My favorite topic is pivoting and iteration because we should all have that opportunity in life, right? And so- I literally have notes down here about how you and I have pivoted so much. But anyways, yes. So pivoting totally. is like- Pivoting, you, starting you, over. And also starting from the bottom. All yeah, of it. Yes. All of it. Reinventing yes. yourself. Like that's what makes life big and exciting, right? And so this is about like people like, Paris Hilton, who have fallen and risen up multiple times. Hulk Hogan, he kept falling. He kept getting back in the ring. Tiger Woods. And so I I love it because it's in some ways a celebration of these people's lives, but in our own way, you know, in our own way of doing it. And Kevin Pollack is the narrator and he's like crushing it. It's going to be really good. It's a really cool show. That's so yeah, exciting. Yay. So fun stuff. Fun stuff. Okay, fun. so let, let's let's talk about a few other billion things that you're doing. Co-creator of Getting Hotter, 
which we talked about briefly, which I love. So kind of an overall umbrella view of this is that it's a social impact project, right? That aims to empower women and girls through storytelling and education, but focusing on South Asian women and menopause. Is that correct? South Asian women and women's health, probably like all the different phases, because what we found is evolved. And what we found is that just focusing on menopause was not fully encompassing a lot of the things that many women, South Asian women are facing in their, in their health journey. And so we have expanded it to include like perimenopause. Perimenopause was always part of it. But I think when we, when people hear menopause, they're like, oh, that's after, because that's that's the definition. And so perimenopause and even leading up to perimenopause and also just this season of change in our lives, right? And what that means, like I have two prepubescent kids while I basically have no hormones left and they're like full of hormones. I'm like, yeah. you want to give mama some? Because yeah, you got too much right Can now. Can balance this shit out a little bit? Thanks. Yeah. But even talking about that is important. It's more, I think about this season of our lives and what that means for our friendships, our our families, our parents, aging, focusing on our economic health. Also, all the different means that we have, whether it's like paying for acupuncture or not, you know, like what else can you do for yourself? I think the other stigma, what lack of a better word around this is that the main reason a lot of friends, women around me don't say the word perimenopause or menopause is because simply it ages them. I know. I know. So to admit that you're about to go through your, whatever it is, it means, oh, wait, I'm not in my 20s and 30s anymore. So people don't want to talk about it because people lie about their age anyways. We had a hard time. I so will say e- what happened. Perimenopause and menopause equals age. Well, and getting hotter evolved from, I remember going into cryotherapy because it was like the only thing that was helping me at the time. <laughs> I heard it's amazing. I need to do it. Oh yeah. yeah. I was having hot flashes and I yeah. was like, oh my God. And it like increased my testosterone. It was great. And I just remember the young guys there, they were like, isn't this too cold for you? And I was like, guys, I'm like, no, yeah. I'm like, going through menopause. So here. Like, what's I'm like, I'm going through menopause. So it's like, they were like, What? You are way too hot to be going through menopause. And I was like, I mean, what does that even mean? I wanted to what say that, mean? but not in a dude way. But you know yeah, what I'm saying. You know, Anyways, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what not is that offensive mean? guy way. <laughs> and they were like, well, and I was like, listen, you know what? This has the potential to be the greatest season of my life. But like guys like you who are basically making me feel like an old woman just because I share this with you, like, no. And so that's where getting hotter. And we were like, we're just getting hotter. We're, and also you know, boys like that can't handle it. They just can't handle yeah, our shit. They can't handle they it. Can't they, handle well, well, also, you know what? So much has changed. Like, I remember when my mom turned 50, like, I would just remember she looked different. She was different. We're different. Like, I just turned 50 and I look like my mom may have done, looked when she first got married. I don't know. You know, I just think things are, times are changing. And we're changing as a as a society. So we found that when we first launched it in 2020, it was really hard to get people to talk about. They didn't want to talk about it for that. And by the way, I didn't want my face on it. 
I was like, I don't want people to know that I'm going through menopause. Like they're just going to. And then I was like, yeah, I was like, actually, you know what? It's like what you said, like when you're vulnerable, it makes other people vulnerable. It's the only way. So as soon as I started to talk about it more, I had people come to me and they were like, what do you do for this? What do you do for that? And obviously so much is changing, but the thing that's not changing, unfortunately, is that our insurance, our doctor, none of that is covered. Doctors need more education around the topic that's not covered. So we're, we're cooking some stuff up, you know, along with some other people where we have some stuff brewing as we've continued these, this dialogue around this topic where we want it to be more customer client facing and more inclusive. So not just people who can afford acupuncture. And also, yeah, give other ways that people can, that can help people get through this and whatever, whatever that means in ways that they don't need to spend money. I'm sure there's, there's tons of natural ways do that. You know what? I would love, I mean, this is just my way of getting you here, but like, you know, I have girlfriends, all of us are talking about this now. And I would, I want to do like a series, like a speaker series on this. Like I was talking about this with friends. I was like, what if I hosted doctors, whoever to talk about this? And, you know, we gathered in a nice like restaurant club, whatever, and just had speaker series on this, like two, three times a year. People, I mean, everyone was like, hell yes. Hell yes. We want to do this. So like, we need to do this. Is basically what I think there needs more reach. You know, I think yeah. the problem is it's the same people. So like with all things, what we have found is that it's the same people now, um, just as the South Asian community does it. It's all, you know, the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world who I actually don't balk at this. I love that as women, we saw a white space and we're like, how do we monetize? Yeah. Finally, yeah. finally, we're thinking of how do we monetize, yeah. which is awesome. But I don't feel like the products are the way to go. I've looked at the ingredients on some of the products and I'm like, ashwagandha. Hmm, I wonder what I know. Really interesting. That sounds familiar. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. First of all, what the fuck? We should have been make, making money off of this stuff. What's wrong with us? Okay. So keep me posted on all of that, on, on what's happening with that, because I know... I mean, just in my city alone, people are ready to talk and listen and learn. And there just needs to be a safe space. Do you think that they want to share, though? Because we found we created private groups. We did so many things and people just. I don't think yet. They, I don't think yet, yeah. Falcony. I think what we That's need to do, and, and I'm happy to be a supporter on this. I think people just want a safe space to listen. Mm. And then from there, who knows? I think the first thing we do as people that do speak up is to let people come and just be because a lot of people don't want to and that's fine. They don't need to. But once they have a space and they see faces, mm -hmm. it changes, I think. So I think okay. we start that way. We start you know? there. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Cool. You know, basically we should go on tour. Should we do that? Yeah. Let's go. I think so. It's fine. Bring our Let's kids. Do it. Let's do Our husbands can visit us. It's fine. Our husbands can watch the kids. It's fine. Let's yeah. take our kids for us. Yeah. They can do the four-parter mm -hmm. later. It's totally fine. I just want to make sure I'm not missing all your, I mean, you are like a superwoman. Okay. Founder and CEO of Sorry Not Sorry Productions. Is that still happening? Are, you still, are we still doing this with your full-time job? Well, you know, I like having my production company and I like having, I have a couple of projects brewing on the side that I will be working on through. I mean, Vice is an amazing place in that. I didn't have to sign a non-compete clause. 
I'm obviously not going to work on projects that are directly in competition with what I'm producing and EPing for Vice. But these are like, these are babies, you know, these are like passion projects, you know, that I'm working on with other people. People approach me like, oh, uh, do you know anyone? Can you help us? shape this or whatever. So I, I read so many scripts and stuff every day, all day long. And so I'm like, yeah, but what I've learned to do is, and this is why I keep my production company around. What I've learned to do is like, time is money. I am not just going to do this. If you want to hire me on as your EP, great. Because I never used to ask for that. I have literally helped people from years and years and years ago, and their movies went on to theaters and I got a thank you at the end. And it's like, what is that going to do for me? Yeah. Thank you. He's not going to bring you money. learn from all those, right? Like, I'm, yeah. Finally, you think. I mean, hallelujah. I turned 50 and I'm like, hey, guys, guess what? Besides the other 5 billion things that you're doing, you are also a board member of the Hollywood Radio and Television Society. You are a founding member of the Marble Collective. You are a board member with the Boys and Girls Club of Venice. And... Just, you know, if you have extra time, you are a speaker now that travels to speak to youth around the country about the power of the pivot, which I love, and the myth of balance. Mm. Who are you? Who are you? I don't, can I I love you anymore? I have someone who has a messy, I have a messy house. Who cares? This is amazing. I'm just saying, you know, like that's the thing. These, this is stuff you like. I don't have the perfect outfits for my kids. I forgot that my daughter has some. I mean, that's also who I am, right? We're all everything. I know. I know. But this is my job to brag, and then you can be, you you. can do the humble stuff. But I can ask you many questions about all of this. I just love that you are doing. I know you have many multi hyphenate, and I know everyone uses that word. I don't know what else to use now. But I love that you are multi-hyphenate and grabbing everything that resonates to you. And by the way, a mother of two, a wife, older, again in quotes, you know, because people in their 20s are like, oh my God, I'm going to be done by 50. Guess what, guys? We are not done. I mean, I just started at 40. You know, I'm a couple really? years in. I started a podcast at 40. That's incredible. You know, it's only been a couple years. And so to me, I'm like, I love the story that one, we're moms, that I'm just finding myself. And you are continually exploring who you are. That's a hell of a finding yourself, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm still don't know what's happening, but yeah, it's finding myself. Just, but like, the, I think I love your story, and it resonates with me so well because the age thing doesn't matter. The multi like trying just different aspects of your life doesn't matter. You went to law school. I went to law school. We're both lawyers. Like, I just. I really appreciated when I said, read your resume. I was like, you know what? My resume all this time felt so random because there's so much random stuff on there. And I was like, I read yours. And random is not the right word because that sounds negative. You are just doing your thing. And I, you know what? I think that random might be, it's not an invalid word, but I think we flow with the opportunity that comes our way. That speaks to What's us. Another so word? Like, What's another word, word for flowing with opportunity? I would say pivoting, but being open. Yeah. You know, we're open. We're yeah. open. Like when you just did the throwback to next door, like I will say that's an example. Okay. And this is what I was talking about before about you never know. This to me right now is going to be an example of that one four month stint or whatever it was. And I did my best at that job, right? I, it wasn't like, oh, what is this? Like this has nothing to do with what my right. dream was. Right, 
We don't know what that's going to lead to now. Right. We have no idea. But I, what I do know is that Nirav and I worked well together. He thought I was a hard worker. He liked the opportunities that I brought him. Isn't that interesting? Meant to be. It's weird because it stuck out on me. And I, I mean, I, and I'm not saying this to make you feel better about anything. I really have seven pages of notes here. But I was like, let me just ask her. I know it's a random thing to ask, but let me just ask. It's not. It's not, though, because that's all part of the journey, right? It's all part of that flow of like, obviously, I'm not like, a waitress and like that, that will be a little too far off, but I'm like, where can I create content? Where can I also make a side? I remember I had that job and another job and it was all through my production company. Right. So building it out. I don't see you going into a job thinking you're too good for it. Small or big. And I, I don't see you doing that. Even if maybe in your mind, you're like, eh, I still think you would go into something being like hundred percent. Let's go. I think that the, all those movies we've watched in the past have really stuck with me because my imagination is so big that I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen right. if I clean floors at MSNBC yeah. or whatever. I, Who knows? I still think that. I never, right? At 44, I have this weird, you never know. And is, it, I don't, is that optimism? I don't know. No, I think it's that we've had proof. We're yeah. practical too. Yeah. You've had proof that that works. Right. And I have proof that going to a event without being invited may not work out, may not, may not be the best thing. It's fine. Or may not be worth your time. I don't know, whatever it is. Or it may be, it may look better than it seems, right? Like that's the other thing. Always. That's usually the case, by the way. It is. And what I will also say is that sometimes living in a bubble and um, being hyper-focused on the things that make you feel good are the things. Like, I was excited about talking to you. I was nervous about maybe another event that I would have to go to. That's the juxtapositioning of things. Or, you know, sitting on the, like when you just mentioned, whenever I hear about being on the board of the Boys and Girls Club, it's now Metro LA just because they've expanded. But whatever I hear that, I've been there for a few years now. It brings me so much joy because it helps me know the tenets too of what my parents instilled in me. Like no matter, you know, how rich I may get one day or whatever to stay grounded is like the big thing to stay grounded in the things that matter. Well, and and you know, what's interesting too, is that I have a helper personality and I sometimes try to like not have a helper personality (laughs) because I did like, I did the Enneagram and the Enneagram said that I'm like, I'm probably more of a three or a seven mm-hmm. versus anyway, for people yep, who are listening, yep, yep. that's a, that's a whole other conversation. Oh, we can have. Yes. But what I will say is that it's the worthiness thing. And that's what I'm working on because even when I go to some of these parties or go to some of these things, I feel like I need to give the people I meet or whatever, a part of myself because they have given me this and life does not always have to be transactional. And that's what I'm working on. I'm a work in progress. And so I always call myself a work in progress. And I'm like, everything doesn't have to be transactional. Because when you when you make them less transactional, it gives opportunity for a really loving conversation or a really loving whatever, right? Right. So You can be thankful, but not transactional. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's right. Okay. So I didn't know you were born in Bombay. I was. And then you moved to Jackson Heights, Queens. So when, how did this happen? So basically, my my family was already living in Queens, and my dad took me back to India because uh, he was very close to my ba, my my grandma, 
And so he wanted her to see me because I was, they knew, I guess they knew they were having a daughter. They must have. And so I was the accident child because I have two older brothers. And so- How much older? Seven and five years. Oh, so you were definitely an accident. I was an accident. Oh, yeah. I was an accident as a baby. I was about to say your dad did a four-time oversight. It was a a whole sitch. It was a whole sitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a whole situation, actually. It's, It's interesting to think about because it was the year that abortion was legalized. And I remember my mom, like, for a second thought about it. She told me, you know, because of whatever. She was, for all the reasons, but we're Jane. And so she was like, we're not going to do that. We're half Jane. Well, my husband's half Jane. It was, I'm just trying to get us more commonalities. Continue. Yeah, we're, we're related. Just, yeah. I think we've yep. sorted that out. Yep. We're related. Okay, cool. So um, anyway, long story short, my dad took me there and then I stayed there. My mom was in Africa with my grandma. I had a stroke. And so she had gone there after she gave birth to me. And then my dad left me there with my grandma for like the first two years of my life. Although, A, that's, yeah, it's a definitely unique story, but being raised by uh, Dadi or Ba, you said Ba? Yeah. It's kind of amazing, too. It's amazing. Like, my Ba's are amazing. like the bomb. They're amazing. She was incredible. And so I, I don't have any bad memories. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom was pissed, but. Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard stories of it, but like, in a weird way, it sounds kind of messed up because moms are moms. No one can beat moms, but grandmas? They're the bomb. They might sometimes be even better than us. I mean, because they can, <laughs> they can detach a little. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was there and then I came, but then my dad went back and brought me back. And so, yeah, I grew up in Jackson Heights until, so I went to, I took the subway to high school, the subway to junior high school. Oh, shit. Like, I was taking the you were subway the real at thing. like 10. I was in it, you know, like, Holy and then when God. I was in college, they moved to Long Island. But until then... We were there for all the iterations. Lately, by the way, this is like a small world stuff, but like different people have been sharing with me how they owned this store in Jackson Heights or their family owned this store. And I was like, I remember when that's, I mean, we were in Jackson Heights for so long that I saw all the iterations, including, but not limited to the fact that when we first moved there, there was a movie theater. And we're like, oh my God, we're so excited. There's this movie theater. And it was a porn. It was a porn movie theater. Oh, just kidding. You went that way. Okay. Uh, we didn't know. It was uh, called the Earl Theater. And we were like, oh my God, mom and dad, there's like a movie theater. <laughs> Please tell me you guys got family tickets to go see a movie together. And you're like, your dad was like, oh shit. We were so excited about our new neighborhood because I think we'd moved from like Woodside or something. But anyway, then that movie theater became a Bollywood. You know, ultimately all of the storefronts started changing. But how funny is that? Like, that's how long. I think recently Sukhethu Mehta did like a whole like New York Times uh-huh. interactive. I interviewed of what him and he told me. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. And he was, this was, I interviewed him a year ago and he was telling me, this is his latest book about it. Oh, funny. He was writing that a book. It was amazing. just a New York story. It was probably gearing up for his book because this came out like a year ago, two years ago. It's been a minute. So he did this precursor thing and it was fascinating to me because I knew all the things he was talking about. Like I had gone to all the people would go to Jackson Heights and then come to our house because we lived two blocks away. And they would come over for chat. So we always, it was like an open door policy. Like it did was Did Jackson Heights at that time feel like Little India, little little Asia. Did it feel like that? Oh, yeah. Come in, come out, come for cha, come for nasto. It was amazing, actually. I, in looking back, I loved it because 
Yes, we always like the weekends. The weekends were like sounds fun. They weren't scheduled. Oh, I have soccer practice. I have to go to. I gotta go to this play date and then piano. Uh, Yeah, yeah. No, it was a nonstop. I wonder who's gonna come over my house today on their way. And no one had cell phones, so it wasn't like, oh, you home? Are you home? Just see if you're home. Love it. It was. It's like my favorite. Me too. Like a revolving door, right? Like just in and out. Super cash, you know, (sighs) house didn't have to be perfect. Now when people come over, it's like for a week I'm like cleaning and my kids are like, mom, is it worth it to have people over? You know? Yeah, it's not. It really isn't anymore. I miss the simple times. I really do. And I remember my parents talking about that in India, like, or Africa. Like my mom always talked about missing the beach days in Africa and all of that. And now I understand. Like, I'd always like eye roll, like, okay, I know you miss it, whatever. But I get it because life is simple. We're connected and it's all about community. And I think at the end of the day, that is what keeps people looking and feeling young. It's that's what the blue zones are all about. And one of the things about the blue zones are community, you know? Yeah. And my mom always asked me, why are you so stressed all the time? What is so stressful? And I'm like, She's right. I mean, wait, one way I'm like, you have no idea. But the other way I'm like, yeah, you're right. We we are doing this to ourselves. This is my fault. Not my fault, but it's the pressure yeah. we're putting on ourselves for yeah. sure. Because she's it's, like, it's I don't understand. Like, what what is the big deal? But I'm also like, mom, in your time, no, no offense to – I mean, they did a lot of work and our parents are amazing. But they didn't have the pressure to – we still have to look good. Somehow, we still have have, like we all of us have to be like founders of something. I don't even. That's what I was gonna say. They didn't have the pressure of having to be multi hyphenate, multi hyphenate for everything. Perfect moms, perfect marriage, like all of this shit that we put on ourselves. Healthy food. The healthy food thing is, I'm like, oh my god. And our kids have to be all playing piano and tennis and debate and then math. I mean, like none of that shit. Like, what are we doing to ourselves? I mean. It's complicated because there was like an article. My husband loves to share articles with me and sometimes they stress me out. And he shared this article about how because there's no affirmative action in colleges. We're fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like about how these kids, like these Asian kids have like a 4.4 GPA and doing all these things and still not getting it. Well, that was what brought up the suit was Asian kids not getting into Harvard. They were like, they, it was discriminatory against Asians. But I, I don't think they've realized what they have done is going to be hurting us more. The white kids will get an upper hand and it's going to go back to how it was before. And I was like, what the fuck are they thinking? I don't know, but it's... I know. I know, I know. I know. Anyways, I miss the old days. I do too. Yeah. Some things. I don't miss being younger. I know that sounds no, crazy. No, I don't miss being younger either. I was really... Confused. I, I was. I, like I struggled. I like being old. I actually feel I do great. Too. I love it. I don't mind my wrinkles. I don't mind the fact that things are you, sagging. You, don't, you mean you? Don't, did you say you don't mind your wrinkles? It's because you don't have any, girl. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. But I, I don't mind. I don't mind my hair right now. <laughs> I don't mind my skin. I don't mind okay. my grays. I don't mind my grays. Yeah, I don't have any right now. <laughs> I don't mind my mind. ass right now. <laughs> I'm going to do the fast round with you. First thing on your mind, what is your biggest fear? Of being bored. Ultimate collaboration for 2024. 
Well, it's sort of what I was talking about before, wanting to be a consultant on like a big, big uh, show, whether it's like a morning show or I feel like I missed the boat on like the time when I got into journalism, everybody was coming from the court TV camp. And I too was a lawyer, actually a lawyer that practiced law. And I didn't jump on that bandwagon. Instead, I was like, I'm going to be a PA. Meanwhile, I was a PA for like people who had less legal experience. And I, so I want to jump on that bandwagon now more if I can. That would be amazing. I feel like this could happen. Biggest pet peeve. So many. (laughs) So many. I know. Okay. Biggest one. I will say I've found lately the biggest one for me is when, like, I don't like hypocrisy. I don't like it when someone, stands up for something and pretends to be one way, but then on the side, they're doing the opposite thing. I would rather just know. If you're a jerk, I'd rather know you're yeah, a jerk. Yeah, just be an asshole. That's great. I like it. Be an asshole. I'm, I'm okay with that. I actually prefer, I prefer outward, overt assholes versus people who are like, and I stand for the truth in this matter. And then on the side, they're like doing shitty things, you know, or whatever it is. I don't like that. That really... It doesn't make me feel safe. And that's my ultimate goal is to always feel safe. And maybe it's because of the three years, three and a half years of doing this podcast, the whole um, women supporting women thing. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, people do not. People do not support you. They know, they know. (laughs) And listen, and you know, I really do try. And I, it is the kind of thing that will wake me up at night. Actually, last night I woke up in the middle of the night because I was like, oh my God, this person had reached out to me. And I have every day on my to-do list, I'm like, reach out to this person, reach back out. And I hadn't. And I woke up in the middle of the night like, how come you didn't do it, Falgany? Like that is something that's so important to me to keep my word. Well, you have empathy. You have this huge empathetic layer to you, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What is your word? What is Fogarty's word? Of this year or in general? Either one. Because every year I come up with the Maybe word. Maybe now. For fest, what's your, what's that's your my New Year's. What's your 2024 word? It's good. You're making me think about something I'm going to do anyway. Every December I come, I for my New Year's resolutions, I try to come up with the word for I know, the year. it's hard. Or maybe your word this year. Either one. My word this year was flow, actually. But I, I think I've done that. I have been feeling a lot of uh, traction around like keeping my word, like keeping my word to myself and to the people around me. But I think I'm going to, what is my word? Okay. This is a little outside the box, but I think my word is going to be liberation Mm. because I want to feel liberated in my actions, in my thoughts, in my choices. And I don't want to be held back because this is my time to just... I think liberation also equals shanti in a way, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Last question. The best concert you've ever been to in your whole life? I know you have many bands, I know. But it's, it's about the music, the band, and the experience. This is a complicated question, babe. I know, I know, because I have like seven. Well, also, your very first concert ever that you've been to is always going to resonate for you, right? Like, that's going to be the one. And that one for me was New Order. That was the very first concert I'd ever been to. How old were you? I was 
15 maybe a, 14 15 oh it's and like I the went, best time of life and, right and i went with this group of guys these <gasps> like five guys they were did so they love cute. you one of them did you love well, them one of them was older than me i mean we're all really good friends now but one of them was like a couple of years older than me and he sat and i didn't really know a lot of new order songs they invited me like last minute i only knew bizarre love triangle and he sat next to me and the whole time was like explaining all the songs oh so when, he loved when, you he loved I mean, you he was just like and this song and this, and i was just like <gasps> that feeling i remember that feeling the flutters the excitement so you know, and it was substance. Like, I mean, who doesn't that, like substance? Can you capture that in a bottle? It was amazing. Substance and, is you know, the fucking best, yes. It's the best. It's the it's best. Substance. That's the whole album. Are you like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And then I just remember when Temptation came on. Oh, my and God. I just got horny. All it's so the- good. <laughs> it's, all it's so it's, good. It's and such a good the, song. All the green lights. If I played, um, it, if I played it right now, could... Do I know the words? Oh, you got oh, green eyes. Oh, you got blue. You know what? Oh, you got gray. Uh, yeah. You know what movie that's in? Temptation. What? It's um, Kristen Dunst. Uh, she was Marie Antoinette. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't ahead. seen well, it? No, 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 no. But I have to now. But I'll tell you. You know how those those songs have that one favorite line. The line where they're like, "I've never met anyone quite like you before." Isn't that all we all want? Like, that's what we all want to hear. And I remember him saying that to me while we were listening. He oh was my like, God. I have never met anyone quite like you before. And and to this day, that is the kind of stuff I want to hear, right? Yes. Like, you want to feel special. Yes. You want to be different. You want to be unique. Uh, and he saw that in me for that one minute of whatever. But guess what? Guess what? You remember this, what, 35 years later? Yeah. So when I listened to when we went to the concert recently, they still do the green lights. And as soon like literally the first beat, like that one beat came on in the green light. And I turned to my husband. I was like, this is temptation. He's like, who are you? And I was like, I know my songs. I know my New Order concerts. This is it. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I told you I went to this year and like it just reminds me of childhood and like just being with my big brother and happiness oh. and ah, but, there's so much to you it. Know, do you know what else it tells you? This is the story I think I like about it too, is that that little girl could never have imagined who this woman is. Oh God, no. Oh God, no. Right? Never. Not that, a million that, years. No. And my dreams were so much more simplistic. And if I had even tried to dream this beautiful life that I was able to create for myself, I don't think I could have imagined it. So I think that that's like the gift of what music brings you is that, yes, it takes you to that time. Like even the song when I was listening to Cheesy Words Get in the Way, I was explaining to my son how it reminded me of this guy a childhood friend of mine that I'm still really good friends with. So he knows him. He's like, blah, 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 mama. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, like, isn't, he's like, isn't he your brother? And I was like, no, honey, no. Yeah, brother in maybe brother. other countries. <laughs> I don't know what that so I was like, I was like, he's not my brother. But then, you know, it opened up this conversation because I had to tell him that I said, yeah, we liked each other at different times. And then I, when I heard this song, I would always feel like, how come he doesn't like me? But then years later, it turns out he always liked me. He just didn't know that I would like him and whatever. And my son's like, well, so did you, He's like, did what? you guys date? Yeah. He, he was so confused. Did He's he 13. kiss He's like, mommy? Well, he asked me about that and we had to actually talk about this. I said, well, no, I didn't kiss him. Nothing ever happened. But I said, there are other, you know, guys that I did kiss. 
He goes, did you date them? And I said, no, we just oh, kissed. Oh, God, he goes, this conversation. Right? Oh. He goes, how did... Hey, Bhagwan. So sweet. He said, "How does that even work?" And I was like, "Oh, bless you, thirteen-year-old. <sighs> yeah, you don't just know. tell him, don't worry about till marriage. It's fine." I'm like, your mother's a whore, honey. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> that's the name of this. That's the title of this podcast. Falconi Adams, your mother is a whore. <laughs> that's gonna be my memoir. Then we all that's are, by the way. The- yeah. I will tell you my my first concert really quick, and then I really have to run. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. so sad. I could talk to you forever. It, mine was thirteen. Went with my two best friends. My my big brother was there, and then he was like, "I'm ditching your ass." And we <laughs> went to Astral World, which is like a Six Flags thing in Houston, and they had all these free concerts every summer. Because if you're a member, and membership was like thirty dollars a month, or not even a it, month, it was a year. It was like stupid dollars, whatever. Oh, whatever. Dumb, dumb it was is. like something. Yeah, five dollars a month or something stupid. Whatever my Gujarati parents would pay. God bless them, by the way, but you know. And so they had summer concerts every summer. And I now at this age, at this time, I cannot, I can't believe the concerts they had there. My first concert was Pet Shop Boys and Information Society. Oh my God. Basically girl. for free. Basically it was free. Like the membership was like whatever. And is that when they had their big hits out? Big yeah, hits. Big hits. So um what was Info Society? But do you remember that cover? I wanna know no. what, what you're, you're thinking? thinking. Yeah. So that that album. I can't remember that album name. My brother I think it was called me. Information. It was multicolored Ben on the front. Um, oh. Tomorrow will happen. Remember tomorrow? Okay, listen to no. it. Listen to it. Oh God, Wait. such a good song. Well, what's funny is that this guy I'm telling you about, my childhood friend, that was the other song. I want to know what you're thinking. I you know, um, know, because I never understood. But, you know, they say youth is like wasted on the young. And it is true because I never appreciated the way I looked. I never appreciated right. like the simplicity of life. I never appreciated how that tight my ass feeling. was. Like, what's happening? Oh my God. God. You know, <laughs> none of it. None, none of, of it. it. Like, skin and, was like, psh. oh, I know. Skin was. I know. I know. Mm. Well, mm. you know what? We can teach our kids. I try, right? We try. Yeah, we can. We can't. Here's the thing. We can teach our kids. This is my having a 12, you know, almost 11-year-old and a 13 and a half-year-old. I try to teach them. But what I realize at the end of the day is that, and I try to remind my husband of this every day when we take it on, they are human beings. And we can tell them. We can share our anecdotes, yeah. which I do a lot. Yeah. We can share our stories. They can see by example, but they're going to do what they have to do. And they have to do it themselves of course, to see of it. Of course. Of course. I mean, even though you I know? want them to do everything I want to do. Of course. I want them to do everything. I'm like, go to go study abroad. Your mom is too chicken shit to do it. You go do it. I did it. You didn't do it? I was so, I was so you know boy crazy, girl. So no, was I. I was, I was so boy crazy. Because you have an older brother. I have two. So boy crazy. I was like, can someone talk? Can someone love I me? I mean, my daughter. I was like, honey, I was, I already had a boyfriend at 10 and a half because I was so boy crazy. Oh, I tried. I just wanted no one talked to boy- me. Ever. Well, because Houston. <laughs> well, also, I was very, 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 very awkward. I still am, but like, I'm embracing it now. No, no. But like, I was a tomboy. Yeah. Yeah, but I was very. We're not allowed to say that anymore, but yeah. Okay, I love you. Okay, I love you too. You gotta go. So much to talk about. 
Tuckered Out is hosted by me, Ami Tucker. This episode is produced by Jeannie Media with Jeannie Saraswathi, Ashley Tuff, Micah Sweetman, Hans Andres, and Laura Radescu. You can follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast on Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast.